I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The FT. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. After last week's Janet Yellen show, this week it is the turn of Mario Draghi, president of the European Central Bank, to take to the stage. Welcome to Hard Currency, the FX weekly podcast, which examines the latest fun and games in the world of Forex, the world's biggest financial market. The US Federal Reserve Chair, Janet Yellen, voiced conviction in the health of the US economy last week. And goodness, how convenient it was that her confidence was borne out in the US payrolls data, which has fired excitement about the prospects of a US rate hike. So, The dollar's fall is suiting Mr. Draghi and the ECB. Uh, They want a falling euro to help tackle the eurozone's crippling low inflation. But the market seems not content to let Mr. Draghi sit on his hands and allow the Fed to do the job for him. Having strongly hinted last month that further actions to ease policy Will the ECB president follow through with action at next month's central bank policy meeting? Well, with me to discuss this is Derek Halpany, European Head of Global Markets Research at Bank of Tokyo Mitsubishi UFJ. Derek, uh, Mr. Draghi was again, you know, walking the walk uh, on or rather talking the talk on Thursday um, when he said that economic risks to the eurozone were clearly visible and that uh, this pickup in inflation has somewhat weakened. I mean, next month, he, he dare not do nothing. He's got to act, hasn't he? Yes, I think for sure. Uh, one of the important elements about the speech on Thursday was whether or not the markets would sense any kind of shift from Draghi in terms of the urgency, given the fact that the euro-dollar rate has fallen since the press conference on the 22nd of October. And of course, given the fact that it's now very likely that the Fed will move um, in December. But, you know, based on his comments, he was pretty much on message. So I think it's clear from that perspective that despite developments since the last policy meeting, there is still a sense of urgency in terms of acting at the next meeting. And I think he was pretty explicit on that. So, yes, I think at this stage, it would be a huge mistake to pull back and do nothing on on the 3rd of December. He has to act because quantitative easing has just been a qualified success or what's gone wrong with quantitative easing? Well, I think like, you know, history shows through pretty much all quantitative easing programs that the impact from a financial market perspective is very much in the anticipation of or perhaps in the immediate aftermath of the announcements. And that's when you get the big easing in financial market conditions. And the success for the ECB, you really have to look back to last year and the fact that they cut the deposit rate on two occasions in June and September, started to hint explicitly on quantitative easing coming. That came in January. And over the period from the summer of last year Mm -hmm. to March of this year, euro dollar fell from 140 to the lows of of 105. Great success then. Sure. But since then? 
Yeah, well, you know, again, like previous quantitative easing programs, the ability to have significant follow-through is difficult. Mm. And um, there are factors outside of the controls of the given central bank that can scupper or temper the impact. Uh, and that has been the case in Europe this year. Clearly with the China devaluing the renminbi, which obviously had a big impact on the carry trade, didn't it? Because the carry trade with euro as the funding currency was looking pretty strong in the middle of the year. And bang, there came the China devaluation and, and that that killed off the carry trade, didn't it? Sure, yeah. Like You know, the, the characteristic of the euro is, is, has changed somewhat, in, in my view. And, you know, that it's now getting to a situation where the carry is important, but also the extent of capital outflows uh, is mm. important in terms of keeping the euro lower. Now, in the first half of, of this year, on average, eurozone investors purchased about 40 billion worth of foreign bonds per month. That came to pretty much stopped in July and August. Mm -hmm. And and July was because of Greece. And then in August, it was the devaluation. So when you have uh, financial market volatility, uh, that actually helps the euro because that capital recycling of now a very large current account surplus, over 300 billion euro, um, means that there is that risk that the euro can can drift higher. So it, it actually raises the bar for them being aggressive. They need to be aggressive on the 3rd of December in order yes. to encourage those capital outflows to be renewed. Just on that aggression, I mean, the content of what they do in December, I mean, just walk me through what, what matters. You know, is it about extending or expanding? Is it about the, the depot cut? Or is it about a bit, a bit of everything? You could argue it's a bit of both in terms of QE and the, the rate cut. Um, if you look at the way the markets responded on the 22nd of October at the last press mm. conference, the big surprise was Draghi putting the deposit yes. rate back on the table. Yes. So I think from that perspective and from an FX perspective, the deposit rate cut is more important. Yes. Okay. A simple extension of QE would disappoint the markets. Okay. Just on, on you know, parity is now back on in, in the lips of uh, a lot of investors. What's your view about whether it's a psychological thing? We seem to be hovering around the 107 mark and Clearly, the year-to-date low just below 105 is within range. But I presume we're now talking about the timing of when things happen. By when does, do, do, might we hit that kind of 105 point? Will that be right up to the ECB meeting? What's your view on, on the psychological impact of parity? Um, yeah, obviously, parity is important from a psychological perspective. Um, I, I would certainly add that from a valuation perspective, parity would, would have the euro at uh, very, very cheap levels, similar to the lows that we got to in 2000, when uh, we, we were around 85. So, you know, we are reaching pretty cheap levels on the euro. And that, I think, is going to make us make it difficult to push much below. I think to, to get down there, it's going to be more about the Fed. You know, the Thursday comments from Draghi, it's interesting. Euro dollar fell about 50 pips, broke 107, but then recouped all of those losses. So the confirmation of action on the 3rd of December hasn't really given the euro a sustained push lower. Yeah. Where, where I think it's more important is the Fed. Now, because of the payrolls report, we're now about two-thirds priced for December. Yes. I think also the curve for 2016 is still underestimating the potential of what the Fed might do. So I still think there's one further leg in which we can see short-term yields in the U.S. pushing higher. Um, and that probably won't come until after the actual well, rate hike Well, I want to ask you about the, the calendar. I mean, imagine if it was the other way around, if we were having actually the Fed meeting before 
the ECB meeting. In other words, on December the 3rd, it's the Fed meeting rather than the ECB. What difference would that have made? How, how, in other words, how sensitive is the market to this kind of this, this calendar nuance? Well, I think it, taking my view that it's the Fed element that's, that's less priced, if the Fed was coming first, I think the markets would be a little bit more worried about whether or not the ECB would follow through. Because, of course, if the Fed went on the 3rd of December, and let's say, you know, euro dollar had another leg lower and we broke the lows as the 2016 story started to price in more Fed hikes. Then come the 16th of December when Draghi sits down, he may see less urgency given yeah. the fact that the FX move uh, has, has taken place. So the markets would have been, I think, a little bit more worried. They were actually worried going into the speech on Thursday. So the fact that Draghi on Thursday has kind of emphasized once again that they will act mm. um, is certainly reassuring for where current pricing is. Okay, we've taken a lot of time discussing euro dollar, but let's not forget the dollar against other parts of the world, EM and the yen. Is the dollar growth against the yen inevitable, in your view? Uh, no, absolutely not. And, and I, I mentioned a moment ago in terms of the changing characteristics of the euro and the importance of the current account surplus. And uh, I think that's even more compelling when you look at the Japanese yen. And, and we're forecasting the yen to be stronger next year. Right. And uh, I, I think the bar... It's quite contrarian, isn't it? The consensus, certainly from a dollar-yen perspective, given the Fed and what they're expected to do, most people are forecasting dollar-yen to drift a bit higher. But the speed in which the Japanese current account surplus has expanded is unprecedented, going back to when the current data series began in 1996. And we're now approaching... 3% of GDP in terms of the surplus. So you need to get that capital outflow to keep the yen weak. Now that's taken place this year because of the diversification from the government pension investment fund into foreign equities. But we've now reached the allocation levels that were recommended. And therefore, so it's over. well, I think that diversification flow is over. And the implications therefore? The implications therefore is we may not get the extent of capital outflow required to keep the yen as right. weak as it is at the moment. Right. So some movement uh, in favour of the yen, and how soon? I mean, in other words, how does that play alongside uh, the, the Fed meeting? Yeah, obviously, I, I'd, I'd be a little bit cautious in terms of saying sell here, yeah. given the fact that we've got the Fed on the 16th of December and what I've just said about the US yield curve. But another point that's worth mentioning is the fact that everybody talks about the nominal yield spread. But the nominal yield spread, I think you also need to look at the real yield spread for US-Japan. When you look at the yield, the real yield spread, it's telling you a slightly different story. Uh, and even as the Fed raise rates, I'm not convinced that uh, the dollar-yen rate is going to continue to, moving, uh, to move higher. You know, Evaluation-wise, we are way overvalued, 27% overvalued on a PPP basis. Uh, and that's never happened since the 1970s. And just finally, Derek, FA, uh, EM rather, I mean, what, what on earth do we do about looking at the relationship between dollar and, and EM? Again, just ask about the yen. Shall we just pause until we get to this uh, end of year uh, rate hike as we expect it to be? Yeah, well, I suppose the interesting thing on EMFX is the way in which the EM has behaved since payrolls and mm. since the, the statement from the FOMC on the 28th of October. And you know, it's, it's held in very well. So that does indicate that perhaps a lot of the news in regard to the Fed raising rates has been priced into EMFX. If you look at the index, for example, it's EMFX is, has depreciated by about 25% since the summer of 2014, by 30% since, uh, since the taper tantrum. So there's been a big move. 
And when you look at, say, for example, the Brazilian Reai or the Turkish Lira, some of the currencies that were the worst performers are outperforming now. Um, And that, as I said, does suggest that perhaps the moves that have gone before were a little bit excessive and that brings us into a situation where we, we see less volatility. We are assuming we do get another leg higher, though. But we do have a forecast from the kind of middle of next year where we see EMFX beginning to, to recover once the uncertainty of the Fed having raised rates is removed from the market and once we get evidence that maybe China, after its period of weakness and slowdown, yes. is beginning to stabilise. Goodness, middle of next year. I just want to get to the end of this year, thanks. <laughs> um, my thanks to Derek Halpenny of Bank of Tokyo Mitsubishi UFJ. If you have thoughts about FX, this podcast, please email me. I'm on roger.blitz at ft.com. Please keep up to date with all the major Forex news and analysis on our website, which is ft.com forward slash FX. We look forward to your company next week for our next edition of Hard Currency. Do join us then. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you might like to try our FT News podcasts which focus on one of the main issues of the day and bring you the insights and expertise of our global network of journalists, as well as outside contributors. You can download these at ft.com slash podcasts most days of the week.